Good to see you out all out this morning. Once again, we just trust that your heart is being blessed and encouraged and continue to be blessed as we as we worship him in song and and uh, through his word. Uh, just to give a little fill in, just to hold up Steve's hands a little bit uh, regarding the uh, youth activity. Uh, uh, Pastor Angel did reach out to me and let me know that they are doing a teen activity uh, here at the church. And it's going to be uh, uh, next Saturday, January uh, 23rd. And it's going to be from 5 to 8 p.m. And each family is asked, each teen from the family. So if you have, if you're two teens from one family, you just have to bring one, I believe. But bring your, uh, bring a checkerboard and then also their favorite board game or, uh, or card game. So that'll be from uh, 5 to uh, 8 p.m. If you have any other questions, feel free to uh, let me know and I'll do my best to answer them. As uh, Steve prayed for this morning with uh, uh, Bill and Karen, uh, obviously uh, continue to keep them in prayer. Uh, But then also when they get to Papua New Guinea, they have to quarantine for quite some time. And uh, even in Papua New Guinea now, and I guess it's worldwide with cell phone technology and stuff, they can watch you and track you, and so they keep an eye on you. And so um, they are literally going to have to be in their house for X amount of time before they, before they can uh, begin to uh, jump into the ministry, which overall it kind of might be a, a good thing because uh, I can imagine that long of a journey on a flights. And I mean, I get exhausted flying out to uh, out west. I don't know if Steve and Sarah do, but I'm done with planes by the time I get off. You know, flying to Seattle, man, that's just, you know, um, craziness. But I can't just imagine the, the between the jet lag and everything else and uh, that they go through. Uh, that might be a welcome to them, you know, that they have, that no one's going to be around them or pressure them to get started, but they have to, they have to uh, quarantine. So um, just uh, continue to uh, uh, keep them uh, in prayer. All right, before we go any further, let's just open in prayer. Our God and Father, we just again thank you for today. We thank you for the time in your word. Lord, I pray that these words, Lord, would not be of me, but would be of you, that they would minister to each and every heart here, Lord, and, and you know the hearts and, and where, they're, where they're at and with you. And, and uh, Lord, we know that within our assembly, Lord, we are still um, uh, uh, mourning the loss of our brother Noah. And, and Lord, I just pray that you just continue to strengthen and comfort uh, in our inner man and that we just uh, continue to uh, trust you and be obedient to you and walk by faith that you would just be honored and, and glorified in our life, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just uh, pray for uh, Ethel's sister, Helen, who has been diagnosed with, uh, with COVID and now uh, having to gone through surgery. And just pray, Lord, your protected hand upon her and that, that Lord, that, uh, that this, that this, uh, uh, COVID would just uh, pass by quickly through her and that there would not be any lasting side effects from it and that she would just uh, uh, heal uh, from her surgery, Lord, and that uh, that through it all, Lord, that you would just uh, receive all the glory and honor for it. Just pray for Ethel as she gives her sister encouragement uh, in you, and uh, we'll thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we just again uh, pray for our assembly as as uh, those who are struggling physically, we think of Betty and her back issues, and I know she's going to be having a, a scan and uh, a soon, and just pray that everything goes well there, and and uh, and uh, Lord, that you just uh, give the doctors wisdom and guidance as they continue to uh, uh, treat her, Lord, and that maybe in the days ahead that she just uh, get this uh, needed relief. 
and that she would be uh, uh, back here with us as she as she so desires and uh, and Lord, we just again we thank you for your love, your care uh, for us, and how you do uh, uh, meet our meet our needs well as uh, physically and spiritually as well as we as we walk with you and and trust in you lord and and once again, we just thank you for this time together in your name we pray amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Job. Job chapter 23. Just as a way of introductory. Job in chapter chapter 23. We know the life of Job and the extreme uh, heartache and loss that he had from losing his losing his uh, family minus his wife and then as well as uh, his livelihood as well as right down to his, his health and and basically the only thing he had going for him was his very breath if you will and uh, here uh, Job um, is uh, uh, praying to the Lord and in beginning in verse 8 he says behold I go forward but he is not there and backward but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work but I cannot behold him he hideth himself on the right hand and I can't see him but he knoweth the way that I take And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath he held in his steps, and his ways have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I I have esteemed the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. We all know, again, we all know the life, the story of Job and what he went through and what God was doing and God was uh, showing to us uh, through the life of Job and where Job was at the point where he could not see and understand what God was doing. He couldn't perceive anything, but yet he continued to to trust in him and to and to stay on course and then know that he has tried us, is that we are going to and he said, I shall come forth as gold. Job didn't know at this time he what how he was his life was going he just knew that by trusting in God each and every day and knowing um, and that God knows the way that we're going, that he's going, that we are going to be in his righteousness and he is going to um, have, the, have the victory in and through our lives. And as I was uh, sharing with the teens in Revelation, God wins. God wins. We win. We will be there with him when God wins. The victory over death, or the complete, I should say the complete victory over death and hell. We will actually see it. And uh, through all of the, against all the wickedness and all the sin that so greatly affects our lives is that one day there will be victory. But anyway, we see here, then, and uh, continuing on, he goes to say that, you know, that God, he, he has followed his command, he continues to follow his commandments. He doesn't waver from, out of, from testifying of his, command, of his lips and he has esteemed the words of his mouth more than necessary food, that he is still, 
he is still looking towards God and for, for wisdom and, and for direction. For when times as, as such as Job, you know, our flesh just wants to, just wants to walk away and say, you know, I've had enough. You know, this isn't for me or whatever it may be. And the world would look at Job and said, oh, yeah, you have every right to leave. You have every, you know, look at, look what, this, look what's happening to you. And even, even his wife alluded to, kind of alluded to that fact. Why don't you curse God and die? And yet Job, he continued to stay faithful to his word. And it, and it shows his, and we, we see his faith in this. And as we face particular trials in our life or particular heartaches and different things, and, and we don't know what tomorrow is in store for us, but as long as we stay, obviously stay true to his word, is that um, he will be, we will come forth as gold. It's, you know, and we can we can trust in that, and we'll be in His hand. And then also, in uh, in opening here is in verse in Psalm forty six. In Psalm forty six, God is our strength, our, our refuge, and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters therefore roar and be, be troubled, though the mountains shake and the swellings thereof, Selah, and their, and their rivers and the streams thereof shall make glad of the city of God, a holy place and the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God help her, and she shall, God help her, and that right early the heathen rage and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Again it says, And behold the works of the Lord. What desolation hath he, hath he made in this earth? He maketh wars to cease to the end of the earth, he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen. And I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so again, to be strong in the Lord, because he is ruler over all. He is in control over everything. And things that we, do, we, we, shake, we, we wonder and we, and we, you know, trying to figure things out, but you know what, our job is just to continue to walk and to trust by faith and to stay close to him uh, in his word and just to continue to grow. And as we're looking, if you would now turn with me to Psalm 34, as we were looking uh, last Sunday in, in Psalm 34, we, we, um, we were looking at seek, uh, seeking comfort in the of trials and this first point in this in this and uh, last week's message was to seek seeking comfort in the midst of trials with praise and we looked at that and the praise and how that I, uh, David said I will bless and and boast and then magnify with me and there's so much of uh, comfort when we begin to sing praises to the Lord in the midst of trial or adversity or whatever, because once again, it sets our, our focus upon him and what, and what uh, he is doing. Um, you know, uh, listening to, uh, to, to 
music that, uh, that lifts up our Savior, magnifies our Savior during these past few weeks have been a, you know, a great comfort to me and I'm sure have been a, a great comfort to you. And um, it should be an ongoing thing where we continue to have that, that attitude of, of blessing as we looked at uh, uh, last week and then to and then to make our soul boast to 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 speak well of to let others see it within our song and then and then also corporately together let us magnify God together and and that's where we uh, that's where we left off and in, uh, in Psalm 34. And in verse 4 it says, And I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Now as you remember, I'm not going to go back there, this, this passage of scripture in Psalm 34 is going back to 1 Samuel 21, where David is fleeing from Saul, and he gets to his, he's so distraught he run, he runs he runs to his enemy for comfort in hiding you know man after God's own heart, a man that conquered Goliath, a young man that conquered Goliath and seeing God do many things in his of Israel and yet we see him fearing for his life. And running, and he he runs he runs to his enemies, and then, uh, and then as he gets to the gate, or excuse me, as he be, uh, as he gets to the gate, and he realizes he is recognized by the people there, and he begins to quickly change his demeanor, to where he looks he he. Be, pretends to be a crazy man. And in this craziness, if you can just put yourself in David's shoes, he has nobody. He's probably thinking that maybe his best friend Jonathan, that he just hugged and kissed goodbye and left, that maybe he was that's the last time he was going to see his best friend, that Saul was going to have him killed for aiding and abetting a fugitive, if you will. And so David had nothing. And he was away from his own personal family as well. And in that distraughtness, and I'm sure he, I mean, he was distraught. He wasn't, his, he wasn't in his right mind. He was acting out of his flesh as we saw as he, as he went to the, as he, as he, you know, lied to that prophet and, and, uh, and, and whatnot, but as he as he gets there and he starts literally almost foaming at the mouth and scratching at the gate, you can just see David and and I think part of that he's doing this he's he's kind of showing his anguish and his loss, if you will, and that in his mind as he's doing this, he begins to pray, which is really interesting, and how and. Uh, and how our how our our disposition works that David was so distraught, and that he puts on this, you know this you know uh, uh, this this crazy man or if you will mentally insane man, and being in fear for his own life. And but he goes he says and. And this is what they were praising the Lord for, by the way, in these previous verses. He goes, I, I sought the Lord in David prayer. I sought the Lord and he prayed and, and he was heard and God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer because he was delivered. And, you know, when we pray and we are just, we just don't even know how to pray because we are just, and if you will, um, on the spin cycle in a dryer. That's where our mind is going. And we, we just don't know how to handle, you know, handle things or whatever it may be. But um, uh, when I was thinking about this, 
I remembered that passage over in uh, in Romans, in Romans chapter, uh, Romans in chapter eight. We went over this uh, some time ago, but in Romans chapter eight, uh, verse uh, twenty six. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, when we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with our groanings that which cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the heart and knoweth what the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is like helps us with our infirmities when we are so distraught and we're, in, we're so overwhelmed in a particular situation. And, and, and all we're doing is we're just pleading, pleading for God for comfort or for whatever it may be or for deliverance. Or, or, and, but God knows. He, he sees our very heart. And he is there and he is going to answer those prayers. And that is, and that is so comforting. And I believe in the same sense is that when David was so distraught and in a sense, you know, acting in his flesh and being this crazy man that he can, that in his, that in his mind, in his heart, he's seeking in the, he's seeking the Lord. And he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he heard me. You know, God is such a God of grace and mercy towards us. Even in a time as such as David was here, that he did not leave him, nor he did forsake him, but he was right there. And he delivered, and then also he delivered me. He delivered him from all his fears. God heard and delivered after he sought the Lord. So here we see the importance of seeking God daily in our walk with him. One, he will... One, he will hear us, and two, he will answer us. Sometimes it may not be the answer that we want. Lord, get me out of this. I don't want to feel this anymore. Take me, whatever it may be, do it. And sometimes the Lord does that, and sometimes he doesn't. Whether he pulls us out of the storm... Or sometimes he takes us through the storm. Whatever it may be, it's for God's honor and for God's glory. And most importantly, that we continue to trust him. And as we continue to trust him, there will be no fear. And that is so, I don't mean to trivialize that. Because that's where, in, in our Christian walk, sometimes is where the rubber meets the road in our Christian life. Where we are faced with something, and Lord, we are just asking, and our faith gets tried. You know, just as Job, and he's going to, you know, and as Job's in the middle of his trial, you know, he's saying, you know, I'm going to come forth as gold. And, uh, you know, as a... Uh, as I believe it's over in you know, uh, James, that the trial of our faith being more precious than what? Gold. Because it's him, it's God that's working. You know, so many times in our walk with God and we are having our devotions and we have our devotions and we're just like, okay, you know, I didn't see anything there or whatever. And we, we run, you know, we're just kind of like, we know, wondering what's going on, and we're looking for God, and we're asking God to show himself, and we're asking God for direction in our life. And all of a sudden, something comes up, and he wants us to rely upon him, and he's saying, come on now, trust me, I want to reveal myself in your life right now. I want to show myself strong in your heart. And we begin to, like, maybe do something that David did and run. Maybe run to something of God's enemy. You know, run to something. And then we find ourselves 
in a situation where we shouldn't have been in the first place and we plead to God, we seek out God. And yet he continues, he, um, he hears and he delivers us from all our fears. You think of um, the disciples. Uh, I grew up on, well, near, right near water, living in Alaska. I traveled on the water in southeast Alaska on a ship. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, and I'm very familiar with the ocean, some, as well some of you may be. But storms can be really nasty, and they can come out of nowhere fast. The wind starts to pick up, and, you know, uh, it, it just, it can, it can wreak real havoc. Uh, I can remember being in the ocean in Alaska at a camp, and we were in a in a in an aluminum an aluminum canoe, and we were out out in a bay, and the and the wind started to pick up, and you could see the white caps. And we were a little concerned, but we were in this aluminum canoe, and uh, we were out there, and all of a sudden the waves started to break a little bit before the over the canoe and. And we were battling. We didn't know if we were... We weren't too far from shore, thankfully. But I still didn't want to be in Alaskan waters at all. But anyway, even in the summertime. But anyway, we, we got back, obviously. But we, in, in thinking of that, you think of over in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, where we're all aware of the story where the disciples are on the ship or on that boat. And that ship is going to sink, as far as the disciples are concerned. The, the, the fears, and the, they're fearful of their life, and they're, they're going to lose their life, and, and every, their families and their livelihood, or whatever it may be, and they're at their points in. And they look over and see Jesus, and what is he? He's asleep. The man who says that loves him and they care for him, the ones that they, they dropped their nets and they gave him everything and here they're going to lose their lives. And he's asleep at the wheel, if you will. And they wake him up and they're in fear for their lives. And all that Jesus did is he woke up and said, peace, be still. And the waves and everything just calmed. And in that particular storm, God provided calmness. That provided calmness. And at the same time, and in in further along in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 14, there was another storm that brewed. The disciples were on a boat. And it brewed, and, and Jesus wasn't with them on the boat. And they see this thing walking on the water and they begin to fear a little bit. And the Peter realizes it's Jesus. And Jesus asks him if he can come go walk on the water right in the midst of the storm. And Jesus told him to come. And he came and the, Peter was walking on the water. He was, Jesus was taking him through the storm. As long as Peter kept his eyes upon him, he was walking through that storm. It didn't matter if that was a, if a if it matter if that storm was a hurricane, a typhoon, or or whatever it may be. If the waves were starting to break over his shoulders or whatever it may be, he had his eyes on Jesus. But as you're well aware of the story, Peter began to look at the waves. He began to look at the storm, and God is eyes off and he began to sink and he pleaded and God saved him. And so we so we see here in this particular passage here, I sought in verse four, I sought the Lord. He prayed and we don't get to see I'm sure it was an intense mind felt prayer. And then I'm sure that intensity worked out into his his uh, play acting of being a crazy person at least in my mind's eye. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And then they, they looked at him. And this, this word, they, goes to, they were, there were others around him that he brought, his other 
um, his other swordsmen or what have you that were with him. And they, they looked, un, or excuse me, oops, misspoke there, I'm sorry. They looked on, they is referring to the company. They looked unto him, is not referring to David, they looked unto God. And so those that were with him, because, because, of, because of David and what he did, they, began, they all began to look at God. Now, this could have been right there. I'm not for sure if the, if the men sat back and the, and the men were with David or not. We're, we're not for sure on that. But when they saw David being delivered, they looked unto him. They looked unto God and what they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. And so they looked unto God, they meaning the humble. The humble meaning in verse 2, the humble shall hear thereof. The humble, <clears throat> those that are being afflicted and oppressed, they look to God. Those who are truly in need and, 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 uh, and see God as we humble, uh, we begin to hear God and to listen. Think of that song, um, that the Patch Club sang years ago, the bow the knee, and it's in our songbook. And that first pass, or that first verse talks. I don't have a book up here, but it talks about going through a particular hard time, and it says, "You bow the knee, you humble yourself." And and so here we see that they looked unto him and that they looked unto God and humbled themselves. As, as James says in uh, James 4, 7, humble thyself in the side of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And you say, yeah, well, that, you know, that's, that's good, but sometimes it's hard to really humble because that humility comes with faith and trust in the midst of a storm or whatever it may be. But our God is a God of comfort and he knows all. And so, in, uh, and then we see in uh, Psalm uh, chapter 10, verse 17, O um, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Thou hast heard the desire of the humble. He isn't here the desire of the prideful. God, why are you doing this? How dare you do this to me? I am this and I deserve that. No, we don't. No, we don't. Humble thyself. And, uh, so he has, uh, the Lord has heard the desires of the humble. And not only that, he prepares the heart. He doesn't prepare the heart of the prideful or the selfish or the you know, I can do it myself, God, attitude. But he prepares the heart of those who rely upon him. <coughs> Excuse me, and thou wilt cause thine, eye, the, thine ear to hear. You only can hear God if you're humble. The, the proud don't hear God. They hear themselves. They hear what they want to hear. They read God's word and say, oh, this is what God's telling me. Or when seeking God's will, well, I really want to do this and this and that. So I'm going to read God's word because God wants to bless me, not asking, not applying the verse over in Matthew. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added unto you. And so they looked unto him. They were beginning to see this testimony form because of, because of the, praise, uh, the praise to the Lord. And not only that, they, they had a proper focus. Looking on, they had that uh, a proper focus. Um, they, they looked unto him. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher for our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. That's where our focus needs to be. 
is on the cross. Is on the cross. During this time of crisis in our our country and what our country is going through, and we're going to be seeing some some possibly some major changes in our country. And God has his hands on all of it. And all we need to be doing is focusing on the Savior. <clears throat> and so having that proper focus, they were enlightened and not ashamed. They were oh, that that whole thing of uh, enlightened as, a, as the idea of an overflowing joy. Uh, like, you know, someone coming to know Christ. You know, you see someone, and they're just, you know, they're just excited, and they have the joy, they have the joy of the Lord within them. And it's like when you begin to go to the Lord, and, 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 you're, dealing, and you're going through a particular thing, and, or a struggle, and you just praise the Lord, you just give your praise to Him, and, and maybe shedding a few tears, or whatever it may be, and then you can sense, or that you begin to know God's presence in your life, you become more centered again, uh, back to center in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you be, you become, as you have humbled yourself, you begin to be enlightened, and then you have that joy. And you say, well, I haven't felt that joy yet. You continue to give praise and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that joy will come. Because it says here, they looked unto him and they were enlightened. And their faces were not ashamed. They were, their faces were not ashamed. That meaning that God doesn't disappoint. God's, he said, God, you know, God, you disappointed me. How come? No, God didn't disappoint God never disappoints. It says in First uh, Peter chapter four verse sixteen. Yet if a man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. As we are going through struggles and as we go through things, there's there is no shame in that. But to let him glorify God. On, on his behalf. Now we don't know what again. We don't know what is going to be in store for us in the next year, next four years for us as a country, for us as believers. I keep on hearing things from different people about is there going to is this going to be the beginning of persecution for the church? Should the church be readying itself and be preparing itself for persecution? Well, I would hope that in our walk with the Lord that you are not so comfortable here that you're not seeing some kind of struggle with the world in yourself. That if everything is going fine from day to day to day to day and that there's no struggle and that there's no spiritual battle going on, there is something wrong. Not that we're looking for troubles or looking for trials or whatever it may be, but we live in a fallen world. And we need to remember that as we suffer for Christ, it is a badge of honor for for us to do so in our suffering. And I know I'm kind of going on both sides of, of maybe personal suffering and then outside of, and then being suffering for as a Christian, but they kind of they do work together in some light. Um, so they looked at him and they were enlightened and their faces were were not ashamed. God doesn't disappoint. There is a confidence in the Lord once one has spent time with him. In in Zechariah it says, Not by not by might or by strength, saith the Lord. It's by by him. Truly spending time with God in humbleness of mind and faith produces a confidence in the Lord. For as you continue to walk in the Lord and to grow in the Lord, we begin to be, 
our faith continues to grow and we begin to produce, not a like I can do on my own, God, but realizing that it's him that's working. And, and then as we face different trials, as we go through them, that we can have that um, confidence that he gives in the Lord. The same confidence that we saw David when he faced Goliath. The same the same confidence that Joshua had in the battles that he faced, or most of the battles that he faced, knowing full well that he was going to remain alive because God promised him that. That confidence in the Lord, the confidence in the Lord that the Israelites had in walking, you know, um, uh, going through the the uh, the Jordan and and. And the not, and and, and, and the, the waters being parted. The, that confidence. And then not only that, so we see the praise, and now we go really to the next point. We begin to see the grace of God, the grace of God, and within our trials, as we being, bring praise and trust to Him, we begin to see. God, God work, uh, uh, God work uh, within that within that situation. That as we uh, begin to uh, seek comfort in the midst of trials, that we can rely upon His grace. So we see here in verse six. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. This poor man. He was delivered. He was delivered once again. This humbled confession. This humbled confession. This poor man. This, this poor man wasn't talking about a financial situation or about his wealth. The fact that David was all of a sudden gone from out of out of the Saul's kingdom as you know the next king in line to being a guy on the run or a young man on the run it's not talking about that kind of poor but it was a poor that was poor that he was afflicted in his mind and heart that he was poor that way his state of mind he was utterly helpless in his mind he had no value he had allowed he had allowed the situation around him to rule his thinking. He, meant, he, was going, he was mentally suffering because he was allowing the situation to get bigger than God. To get bigger than God. What astounded me a little bit with David, and as, as I was reminded when I was reading Psalm, excuse me, Psalm, uh, uh, 1 Samuel, in First Samuel twenty uh, twenty one was it, but uh, anyway, where um, he uh, takes Goliath's sword. Why in the world would David take Goliath's sword? He didn't need Goliath's sword before. It all he needed was five smooth stones, and yet he. He took his sword, and so he began. He began to see this, this, the struggle that he was going through, the circumstance that he was finding himself. He uh, he was poor. He was afflicted. His mind and his heart, because he allowed the situation around him to get bigger than God. The same reason why those disciples were in fear for the life. The same reason why Paul sunk began to sunk in the ocean, is because. He began, you know, the, our Savior's response was basically, Oh, ye of little faith, you have, you have no faith. <clears throat> and so he was, he was, man was poor. His focus was on himself. He, and so he began to acknowledge who he was. He began to acknowledge that. He was poor, and that he was relied upon himself. And he was that humble confession. Just as when one comes to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, is, that, is to realize that 
that there is nothing that they can do to save themselves. They come humbly before God. And as we look towards God's grace, we, we can uh, turn over with me to um, uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians in chapter 9 and verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, that ye may abound to every good work. That God is able to make all grace abound toward you, no matter what. No matter what. That God's giving, that God gives us His grace, that He delivers, and then, if you, and then we see obviously uh, um, over in Second uh, Corinthians uh, twelve in verse nine, he, and He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me. For thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. As I was reading this, my heart went back to the funeral when I saw her sister Rachel, when he saw the power of God working in that situation. And God's grace is always sufficient. And it's through when we humble ourselves that we begin to see that, it, that his strength is made perfect. Not our strength, but his strength is made perfect. In and through us. This particular chapter or this particular portion of scripture was when the Apostle Paul was asking, Lord, take this thorn of flesh away from me. It hurts too much. Take it away. And, and he didn't ask him once. He didn't ask him time, th- twice. But he asked him three times. And then the Apostle Paul he yields and says, My grace is sufficient. And then the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And so as we look to, to grace in this, we see this humble, this humble confession. And not only that, this humble confession, um, um, in the sense that David had allowed the situation to get bigger than God, to remember that God is sovereign and that God is omnipotent and he is overall is that we, we, we can continue to know and to understand that in our walk with the Lord. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has given us those things. That is a promise. When we are going through a difficult time or a struggle, we need to claim this promise for ourselves that God has given us his power. And his love, and then of a sound mind. David, who had risen to fame, he had a clo- he he has a close friend going from living as a shepherd into a palace. He had everything. <clears throat> so at this point, he had no home, no friends, and he's in fear of his life. So when we come before the throne of grace, we need to come with nothing. Come with nothing. And we will leave this earth with nothing as well. We need, to, we need to have absolute faith in our prayer, resting completely on him without anything else, as in, as in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, talking about going boldly before the throne of grace, giving the help in time of need, is that we aren't bringing anything else when we go before the Lord in prayer, that we are casting all of our, everything up. I was just uh, uh, in the men's Sunday school class, 
is that when you know when we walk by faith and we trust in him it should be at the, the same faith and trust as when we accepted Christ as our savior when we bring nothing to him and that we just there's not you know we do we did nothing to deserve salvation now we know isn't of our works or anything it was all Jesus Christ and the same go and the, and the same holds true now is that we begin to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ or as we continue <clears throat> to not trust in ourselves but continue to walk by faith and so so David not only humbled himself, but obviously he prayed. And he, and the, this poor man, and he cried, and the Lord heard him. He cried, and the Lord heard him. And he delivered him out of all of his troubles. Again, he goes through this testimony with, with his men. He says, with his men, he says, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And not only that, not only in his grace does we humble, but also uh, he protects. And in verse, in verse uh, 7 it says, And the angel of the Lord encamped around about him, all them that fear and delivereth them. His protection. His protection. This angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, was round about David. If only David could have had his spiritual goggles on, if you will. He was being protected. He was God's chosen. He was God's anointed. There was no other king that was going to take him out. There was he had the very same promise as as given to Joshua. Um, uh, just a little segue here, Joshua. Again, I know you're all familiar with this, but it'd be good just to hit it again. Joshua in chapter one. It says in. Um, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, And there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. So I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good for- courage. For this, for this, for unto this people shall thou, thou divide for an inheritance to the land which I swear unto thy father to give them. And then in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given it unto you, as I said unto Moses. That promise. Joshua lived by that promise. And that's a huge promise. Because that was hand-to-hand combat promise. That wasn't as they were fighting wars today. And David was in the middle of his own personal war, and yet he was on he was on the run, and yet on the run, God protected him through His grace. You know, to testify, or um, oops, God answers David's prayer with protection. In Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three, verse three, who will establish you and keep you? Who will establish you and keep you? And that and that word keep there is to um, to guard or to watch. To, to who shall keep uh, who shall establish you and keep you from uh, evil. And so there was protection around about them. You know, this just goes to show once again that God only saves us, but He also protects us. That God is greater than our, in our circumstances. As it says in Isaiah, So do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my, right, with my righteous hand. And that righteous hand, as it talks about in Isaiah, is 
is referred to as God's faithful hand that is trustworthy and and secure. And then next and in closing, not only did there was a humility there and and a protection, but there was a a provision or a pro, uh, that God provided. In verse eight, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Here David gives an invitation of God's provision. He says, O oh, taste. And that word "o oh, taste" has the idea of has this oh, de- idea of "oh man, you got to taste this. This is good. This is good stuff." You know, you bite into that you know uh, chocolate cake or you know your favorite food or whatever it may be, and you want to tell somebody, "Oh man, this you got to have a bite. This is so good." This is what David's saying. "Oh taste," you know. Um, uh, Oh, taste to know God up close and personal, so much that you, so much that you can see that God is good. That God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. So, and out of that trusting and tasting, there is a happiness. Again, another promise. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. As David clearly saw now after the fact, after God's protection, that he should have trusted God. He wouldn't have been in that position. But yet he tasted and see the God's goodness towards him, God's grace towards him in his time of need and of struggle and of, of his lapse of judgment and, and allowing the circumstances to get greater than, you know, greater than the Lord. He sees that, he says, you know, happy is the man that trusteth in him. Not despondent like I was, not the poor man that I was pretending to be a crazy man at the gate in fear of his life, but blessed, but happy, but joyful is a man that just trusts in him. And this is a man that was in, in shortly before this in fear of his life. That was on that was on the run, and yet he chose to bless the Lord and to boast in the Lord and to magnify the Lord. And then we begin to see God's grace in that and that through again through that praising God and and seeing God's grace upon his life and as we see God's grace and as we us and as we praise him that we begin to see or see the comfort in the midst of our own trials and all we can do is just continue to give praise and honor and glory to him because the things that we face isn't about us it's not. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ being exalted. And, and we can just trust him in that. And that truly that we can say as we, as we face different struggles from day to day, that we can truly say within our hearts to each and every one of us, come and oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And And the true happiness is one that comes from trusting in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the example that you've given us with David. And and even though he struggled and he, uh, in his his faith, being in fear of his life, yet he, 
he turned his heart, he turned his prayer towards you in the, in the midst of it, Lord, and you delivered him. And, we, and Lord, just as you, as we turn our hearts to you in the time of, a time of, and when we face different circumstances and how that we can uh, give our praise and glory to you. And then as you uh, give us grace, show us grace and mercy uh, through those, through our struggles, that you are honored and glorified and and that we can truly say, Lord, that uh, that you are good and that happiness does come from just fully trusting in you, even in the midst of adversity. Lord, we thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen.